You're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey, here for Conversations for the Health of All Things. On this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Camila Williams. She's a family physician in Columbus, Ohio, with a passion for health. Through healing herself, she has moved into the wellness space and is now teaching her patients and the public. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the invite. I'm super honored. Thank you. I'm excited to have you here and to learn about your story. I met you through your podcast, and it's been such an amazing mm-hmm. journey to listen. And I'll point my listeners there as well. But tell me about your experience moving into that wellness space. Well, I, um, you know, started out, you know, I'm a family physician, like you said, and I um, started out, you know, kind of doing traditional medicine. I still do. And um, but I found that I was not doing well. I had my son in 2014. And around that time, I was at my heaviest weight. And although I try not to focus on weight, I just knew I didn't feel good in my body. I knew something wasn't right. And so, um, you know, I did not want to have to be on medications and things like that. I found that I was pre-diabetic and I was trying to figure out how to fix that. And in the process of that, realized that I knew nothing about nutrition Um, which is sad to say, but I think it's starting to become that, you know, well-kept secret. That's not a secret anymore that physicians do not learn about nutrition. And as I've learned lately, um, nurse practitioners and physician's assistants don't either. So it's really super interesting that we are treating patients and we don't know about that. So I had to teach myself and I mean, including a trip to um, (laughs) Barnes and Noble for the book, Nutrition for Dummies. Um, Mm to try to learn how to eat and do better. And that book, of course, did not help me much. They're usually pretty good, but that one was not informative for me. So I started to really um, look for other sources. And I always credit the book, uh, The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung as my Mm -hmm. turning point. Um, I read that. I learned a lot about my body. I tried some things out. He's big on intermittent fasting. And so that's been kind of the base of my journey, um, just learning my hunger cues again and things like that. So um, I say all of that to say that I had to learn how to heal myself. When I did that, uh, a lot of my aches and pains went away. There was a point where I couldn't get out of bed um, without hobbling. And I was like 32, 33 years old, which Mm -hmm. is unheard of. You know, you just finish residency and then you can't function. Um, And just having the prediabetes, having a skin condition that involved inflammation in the skin that was very painful. And, you know, you explain all these things away, but once I ate better and and treated my body better, they all resolved. So 
um, that is how I ended up there. And so, of course, um, you know, once I identified that for myself, I was eager to share that with patients and people that I came in contact with. So um, you never want to do anything that's unsafe for your patients. So it was really exciting to have um, my own evidence that that type of thing could be done, you know, without harm, but also helping them improve their lives. So that's how I ended up doing that. I pursued, initially pursued, and still uh, planning on pursuing obesity um, medicine certification. And um, I'm in the process of um, pursuing functional medicine certification. So I'm still on that path at this point. And it is that lifelong learning journey for sure. Mm -hmm. I wonder, and if you mentioned noticing it for nurse practitioners and PAs, why is it, do you think, that nutrition isn't taught in traditional medical education? Yeah. You know, I have a few theories about that. Um, you know, I always try to see the good in people. And, and sometimes these entities have a bottom line. And so there is that aspect of profit <laughs> that if they're teaching us more um, medications and um you know, those kind of quick fixes, band-aids, I call them. Um, some of them are miracles. There's people that would not be living. I want to clarify that people that would not be living if it weren't for modern medicine. So I totally advocate for that. But um, when it became the answer to everything is I think when that became the focus. Um, and so, you know, um, I think that there's that. I think that it also may come from, and as I'm speaking this, I'm thinking about it, the people who are teaching us also don't know much about it. And so we probably tend to stay away from those things. I remember, I, I tell everybody, I remember from nutrition class, Berry Berry and Kwashi which people are like, what is that? I'm like, right. I've had one person that I've seen ever with Berry Berry. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, I, I think there's a few different reasons that is, but I was surprised that other disciplines didn't learn it either, especially when they're treating patients. And now I see, it took me years, but now I see how important it is um, to look at the whole patient and what they're doing and what their lifestyle is and what they're exposed to. So, so yeah, I'm not sure why um, that is. I'm sure there's multiple reasons, multiple systemic reasons why that is. So. It'd be interesting to see if there is a shift and if it becomes mainstream in medical education yeah. or if there's just simply more motivation to seek that, you know, from those mm-hmm. who are interested. I'm curious, oftentimes physicians might think it's one more thing I have mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Do you find that? Does it seem burdensome? Is it time consuming or do you find it's actually easy to integrate or perhaps at least worthwhile to integrate mm-hmm. with your patient visits? Um, it's both. Um, I think in my current setting, there's a lot of resistance because we've also taught our patients to seek that quick fix. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, but it's um, they come to you because they are expecting a certain um, suggestion or recommendation and so when I start asking them if they're sleeping and if they're exercising, they're a little thrown off by that. Um, but it's so important. I've, I've found so many things just by asking those questions. Um, and so, yeah, I think that um, there is some resistance um, to that. I find that I do need more time. Um, I'm admittedly very efficient at traditional medicine. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I can get in there, talk to you about your dog and your cat, do 10 problems and be out in 10, 15 minutes. Um, And I stay on time, but I'm finding that's not fulfilling for me. Um, And I find that I really am more interested in finding out 
what they're what they're doing, how they're living their lives. And so, so yeah, there's a lot of resistance that way. I've heard other physicians say, and I used to be like this too, you know, that I'm just not interested in learning that. I don't um, want to know those extra things. I already have enough stuff in my brain. So it's, we have to know so much about so many things that it's hard for me. I realize now that it's part of my passion and my purpose. So I could talk about nutrition all day Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm still learning and I've been in my own personal PhD program for the last three years. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's on both sides. I think we don't want to talk about it. Sometimes they don't want to hear it and we have to change that uh, mindset. Yeah. I, love how you noticed all of those cues and clues from your body. You know, we talk mm-hmm. in osteopathic medicine about body, mind, and spirit, and really the body's a messenger, right? So you mm-hmm. had these aches and pains and skin conditions and extreme fatigue. How did you finally decide to tune into that and listen perhaps deeper than just the surface level symptoms you were having? I, I think it was, you know, my medical training, of course, um, you know, on a superficial level, we're told that a lot of people have, you know, like conversion disorders and things like that, where their mental symptoms manifest on their body. And we see this surge in fibromyalgia and all of those types of things where so many people have it and we don't know how to fix it. And I really thought, you know, we start diagnosing ourselves and I really thought I had an autoimmune problem. And that made me sad because nobody in my family had it. And I was like, well, why is this? There has to be some other reason this is going on. And I mean, I started to, when I started to change things and I noticed that I felt better and I noticed that my knees felt better, even when I wasn't actively losing weight. Um, I I was like, okay, (laughs) this is, this is definitely thing. And we've seen, you know, I'm a a believer and, you know, you see miracles in the Bible and it's, everybody's always like, well, is this really, you know, was this exaggerated and that, but we've seen miracles in medicine all the time. And so believing that my body could heal itself was that first step in knowing that I had some control over that was really powerful. And so that's how I, you know, I got into it, starting to see that if I had some minor ailment and I would not eat a certain thing or not do a certain thing, that it would go away. Or if I have a stressful week that I'm hungrier that week mm-hmm. and honoring that, you know, it's, it's amazing really, but your body will tell you we're made so intricately that our, your body is highly, highly functioning and will tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, that's so helpful. You also mentioned it was around the time of coming through residency. And we can mm-hmm. see how stress can contribute as well. Do you notice that, you know, certain times, certain external events or circumstances that can bring up those symptoms too? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, stress is a big one. Um, I've been around, you know, when you get in podcasting, you meet a lot of people. Like I met you through <laughs> my podcast. So you meet all these amazing people and especially physicians. And a lot of them, a lot of them, have had um, medical conditions and things that have um, affected them. And it, they all tie it back to that time when they were stressed or they were burnt out or they were, you know, and I have been there several times. Um, and it's not necessarily a reflection on any particular entity, but how, you know, I was living my life and also how I was ignoring my own purpose. And so when I didn't have a purpose or didn't feel a sense of purpose, I was very 
aimless and kind of didn't know what to do. And then when I am super stressed now, I recognize it immediately. And sometimes I can't do much about it, but I've learned different techniques, yoga, meditation, um, just breathing um, that really helped it help in the moment. And I also am very aware when my body starts to do things. Um, I will get nauseated. <laughs> we'll get all these things that, you know, and we, we wait, we know way too much. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have, I mean, I've had every disease there is in my head, but right. um, <laughs> then I'm like, okay, step back. What did you eat yesterday? What, what was that yesterday? Like, you know, were you stressed? Were you, you know, worried about something. And so, yes, I definitely have been able to tie that directly stress directly to my body and how it behaves. That awareness I think is so important and helpful because even if you can't Mm -hmm. change, like you said, the situation right then to know, Mm -hmm. okay, there's a reason this is temporary. Mm -hmm. Once, once we get through this then, or if you can change something you do, at least change your thoughts about it. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of those earlier signs? You mentioned the nausea. I'm curious the ways as you get more in touch with your body, what shows up for you as that kind of canary in the cave moment, mm-hmm. you know, when you say, oh yeah, now's the time to, to do an inventory, to do a check-in. Mm-hmm. Um, headaches are one. Um, I was talking to my mom about this the other day when I was little, she had really severe headaches and I was medically minded. I was, um, you know, I wanted to be a doctor since I was four and I hated the doctor. So I know that was calling. Um, I mean, I really hated the doctor. I liked the actual person, the doctor, but the doctor's office, I couldn't stand. So, you know, I was always medically minded and interested in those things. And I just remember being terrified because she would have these migraines and be in the bed and just not able to move or function for a whole day. And for me, um, you know, you hear all these things about genetics and how it skips, but I get headaches when I'm stressed. And I think they are actually migraines, but we tend to, you know, push things off as physicians. So I have that. Um, um, I have hydradenitis superativa, which is a skin condition that causes inflammation under the skin. Mine is mostly driven by sugar or really high carb foods. Um, But stress will bring that out as well. I've started to notice it in other areas, usually on my legs, but it's, it's been in other areas too, when I'm really stressed. Um, and so that, um, like I said, nausea, um, brain fog, which is hard to describe, but just feeling like I can't think straight or I just, I need, I also start to have a need for caffeine. I love the taste of coffee. I'm like that person who, you know, drinks beer and like, I just like the taste of it, but I really do love the taste of coffee. (laughs) And so I like it, but I have to be careful because sometimes I start to use it to medicate, you know, that brain fog feeling. Um, So I have to watch that. Um, And um, chest pain, I get chest pain. I've had chest pain since I was in med school. It was mostly reflux, but I realized there was also a stress component. Um, because I rarely get it now. Um, and when I start to get it, I know right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this really interesting day where um, I was really stressed at work. There was something going on and I was shivering, but it's usually really cold in our office. And so I'm back in the back room. And of course, I'm talking to one of my colleagues and she's like looking at me and she's seeing me shiver, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. she's like, no, this is your, this is adrenaline. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you can't even like, I was like 
you know, it's almost like Rigers, you know, mm-hmm. and she was, she, she pointed it out to me. She's like, that's, that's a very high level of stress. And then right after I talked to her, I felt this chest pain come on. Mm-hmm. And, and it scares me because I know that we get weird things as physicians. And mm-hmm. I think some of it comes from us ignoring things. And so many, I can go on all day, but there's so many symptoms I've had that come from stress in a, in a moment where if I hadn't been tuned in, I would be like, oh, it's just this or that. But it, mm-hmm. it really is stress that's doing it. So luckily I've been able to, get rid of a lot of that. And so when it happens, it's really, really obvious to me now. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to think about that because all of these that were going on for so long that we either think of as normal, right? That, well, this is mm-hmm. how I have to feel. And now you can say, nope, that's not normal. And <laughs> it's telling me something, I'm tuning in. And I can think of it as, as a patient, how powerful that would be to come to you with these symptoms that often mm-hmm. might be dismissed, you know, especially yeah. if they come alongside a negative traditional medical workup for you to be able to acknowledge, no, something is contributing to this, right? It might not be, thankfully, a particular lab or mm-hmm. a disease process that we have in the ICD-10 book, but it's mm-hmm. real. And let's look at some of those causes. Have you noticed a difference in how your patients are able to maybe engage or disclose or feel heard by you? Yes. Um, you know, it is, <laughs> um, you know, being in traditional medicine, we are, um kind of under a microscope in a way. And I'm in, um, you know, employment, which is a whole different animal. Mm -hmm. And so you have a lot of things on you. And one of those is patient satisfaction scores, which are very, um, they're, they're, they're thought to be objective, but they're very subjective. Mm -hmm. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of things that go into that. But I have noticed that um, my comments are different since I've been, um, coaching, essentially coaching my patients. And and I saw this happening over the last few years where it just happens automatically. But now I'm in a mindset of where that's what I'm there to do. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely get a different response because those little symptoms, I can usually explain it medically now because of all the the research and reading I do about insulin resistance and how it's Mm so important in our health. But also just tying those to things that they've done um, recently or had happened to them. Um, I talk to patients a lot about childhood trauma. I'm not trained to really dig into it, but sometimes bringing bringing their attention to it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you just mentioned that you had this thing happen when you were three. Mm -hmm. And since then, you've had this problem. And that's kind of what functional medicine does. Um, It really pulls in those root cause things as far as you can go to identify. And a lot of times they don't necessarily want a solution. They just want to know that they're not crazy and they're mm-hmm. not making this this up. And I mean, they can have really severe symptoms or something that is a minor symptom, but that it gives them a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. And I've had them thank me for listening, you know, and, and sometimes it's simply just letting them talk about it. And so many of these little symptoms, they are just completely overcome by. But if you just listen and you just kind of find a way to help them see that they have some control over it, they they really respond well to that. Yes, I think that's so helpful, giving them that space to explore mm-hmm. it, that validation. Something is going on, it is a tribute to this, and you can make some changes in this way. We'll direct our listeners to your podcast because you give lots of great details on nutrition and habits but you mentioned the obesity code and the high carb challenges you have faced that bring on symptoms for you. Are there any 
maybe fast you know, pearls, those summative recommendations that have been most helpful personally for you or that for patients or people who are experiencing maybe these myriad of symptoms that might be a good place to start? Yes, absolutely. Um, so <clears throat> I am, you know, low carb committed, I will say. <laughs> um, it is, it, it's kind of, it's interesting. Um, most of the diets that you hear about, that is essentially where they're coming from and not so much, um, you know, uh, the carbohydrates, but the content, the quality of our food. And so that's something that's one of the things that I really stress to patients is to watch the quality and not the quantity. Um, because once you start to eat lower carb, you're essentially cutting out those processed and packaged man-made foods is what I call them. Things that our bodies aren't meant to eat. So we can have them here and there. Our bodies are very, very resilient, but our bodies are also resilient in a kind of a bad way where it will adjust to you eating that and it will do what it has to do to keep you alive while you're eating that. And that translates to diabetes and heart disease and things. So um, so that's one of the things I tell them is that it's the quality because the thing I shy away from is when people find out that I intermittent fast, intermittently fast and that I do low carb, they start to calculate, you know, they pull out that calculator yeah. and want to count mm-hmm. everything. And I'm like, that's how I got into this is because I don't like counting things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's important quality over quantity. Um, knowing when you're hungry, watching your hunger signals, you have to sometimes retrain your body um, again, very intricately made. So we can eat when we're not hungry because there was a time when we had to eat when we weren't hungry. If you're out foraging, you can't, mm-hmm. you know, animal may come around once a day if that, and you can't eat all the time. Whereas mm-hmm. we're in this time where everything's convenient and you can go get pretty much any food you want within five to 10 minutes. And yeah. that is not great. So um, I tell people to eat when they're hungry and just notice that some people have completely healed themselves by just doing that. It's very powerful when you start to realize like, am I really hungry or am I thirsty, which is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that leads into another thing, drinking water. Um, it's like the basic of basics, but mm-hmm. there was a time when I didn't drink water and there's a lot of people I see and talk to that just do not drink it. And that's one of those conversations that comes up, like you said, where they'll come in with a symptom and, you know, they're expecting this laundry list of medications and specialists. And I'm like, do you drink much water? (laughs) And usually if I have to ask that, the answer is no. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then we have a discussion about why they need water and things like that. So that's important. Um, And then from a standpoint of health and wellness, I think just the overall, um, you know, the, the pillars of wellness, I like to call them, um, you know, looking at everything else in your life, your spiritual, your um, emotional state, your financial state, um, your relational state, your relationships, um, all of those things, of course, physical, which we've talked about, all of those things are so important to your um, overall health. And they're taught as a, like a stool in functional medicine, where mm-hmm. if you don't have a leg of that stool, it won't stand. And so when you get those things, when those things are out of balance, um, you can suffer quite a bit. And a lot of times we neglect those things. Um, I talk a lot about in two women, um, especially moms, and we tend to just let everything go in favor of our kids, our husbands, our whoever's. And mm-hmm. um, you have to, it's not selfish to care for yourself first. You have to do that. So a lot of those things fall by the wayside when they do that. So those are just some 
some general things that I talk to people about a lot. I think that's so helpful and that it isn't really complicated, but you have to be committed to it. You know, a lot of times we think there has to be a plan and like you said, all the counting and yeah. <laughs> really you can keep it relatively simple, but being consistent can be so yes. important. And I love that you tie in those other factors and to just acknowledge that for patients, mm-hmm. the listeners here that yes, your health is influenced by all these different things. And that can seem overwhelming. Sometimes my patients say, what? I have to do all those things. I said, well, uh-huh. Think of like opportunities, right? These are all mm-hmm. the different ways you can actually bolster your health. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. not, if you, you know, if you don't do this or else, it's more, oh, wow, things aren't going well. Here's a mm-hmm. bunch of different ways I can intervene and support mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. We talk about the self-healing capacity in osteopathic medicine, and you've alluded to that multiple times here. Right? Mm-hmm. You said just by drinking water and eating <laughs> high-quality foods, you've seen yeah. healing happen. Are there other ways you notice that? You notice that tapping into that source you know, of that intricate design that we have in returning to health? Oh, yes. Um, you know, one of the things is, um, you know, I have embraced yoga and it's interesting how you will get a preview of your life. And, you know, I told you my pregnancy and the time after my pregnancy was really contentious time. I went through a divorce during that time. And, um, you know, when I was pregnant, I went to yoga class and I was just thinking about this the other day and I was pretty physically fit, but this was a time when I was heavier and wasn't losing weight. And it's because of my, my nutrition most likely, but um, I really felt so good during pregnancy, doing those yoga classes. I looked forward to them. They were really, really fun. And now, well, not during the pandemic, but before the <laughs> pandemic, I had started a really regular yoga practice. And it was amazing how my body felt after that, um, how my week went when I went versus when I didn't. We had a class, me and my best friends went to a class on Mondays at a local yoga studio that's in like an old carriage house. It's absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. And the environment and the, um, the aesthetic and everything that they pour into that place just made it this experience you couldn't explain. Um, And, you know, I used to think of yoga as a tool. And so it wasn't a great tool because I felt like if it wasn't burning so many calories and, you know, it wasn't helpful, Mm but I'm realizing um, how important it's been. There was a time where, which I need to get back to this, but I would take my lunch break and just do a yoga flow for like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And my body, literally the the way my body looked (laughs) changed Mm -hmm. just from doing that. Um, my mindset was different. Um, you know, it's calming. I mean, it has all kinds of benefits that have been proven over and over, but though that is one thing that has really, that I've really embraced that I noticed makes a big difference. Probably one of the most, the largest impacts in my health is that, um, just, just that aspect of things that even if I can't work out for half an hour, I can do that in the morning and I feel like I've done something. (laughs) So, Mm it just has so many um, benefits and there's been so many other things like that, that I've, I've, I've come upon, you know, drinking tea, just the act of drinking tea is so calming, you know, mm-hmm. things that I used to think were kind of hippie-ish, but you know, <laughs> I'm now a hippie saying so I'm a proud one. So. <laughs> I love that. And then I love that it can be a low barrier to entry, right? 10 minutes, mm-hmm. 30 yeah. minutes. It doesn't have to be this all out adventure or you know, get the equipment and do this. It's just show up for yourself. Mm-hmm. And your body thanks you because yeah. you're paying attention. You're, mm-hmm. you know, I think of sometimes like with a toddler, like right? they just want you to 
let them know that you know that they're there. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so when we pay attention, it can make so much of a difference. One thing I wanted to ask you about is the other tenant we have is the relationship of structure and function. And we mm-hmm. think about that in the body, you know, different structures mm-hmm. in the body and how they're designed for function. I also like to look at that with my patients externally. You know, mm-hmm. what are, what's the structure of your life and how it's functioning for you? And I look at that in relationships with sleep, sometimes even time management, mm-hmm. you know, and I may mm-hmm. not counsel them on that directly, but acknowledging it for them. Do you see that come into play either personally or professionally for you? Oh, absolutely. Both. Um, I am a single mom, you know, his father is my ex-husband. He's very supportive, very, um, we have, we co-parent very well, but it still leaves, um, those times where, you know, I'm on, you know, cause he works, he's a, uh, he's a police officer. So he works odd hours, especially right now with everything going on. And so I have my son quite a bit and, um, I have to find time for me in that. And that's been challenging, but I've, you know, um, really embraced that for me. And what I do is I'm an early bird. So when I get off work, even though I get off work pretty early now, um, I have to go get him from school and you know how that is. You're running around doing mm-hmm. all this stuff. And so my mornings are my time. And so if I get up and I don't feel like doing much, I embrace that, but I don't do that every day. I try to get up, um, pray, read my Bible, move, do some type of exercise, um, honor my body and do those things in that time frame. And that's my time. And by doing that, there's, I feel so much better that day when I don't do that. And my days are more frantic, more rushed, more crazy as you know, if you <laughs> really what is what it is. Um, and so I find that that structure for me is important professionally. I have, since I was a resident, again, it's, it's interesting how certain things just your, your, your brain just tells you you're going to do them whether you want to or not. Mm -hmm. And as a resident, I had promised myself, I would not bring work home. Mm -hmm. Um, And which I'm like, wow, that was very insightful because I was not this (laughs) with it. Um, I was all about medicine and everything medicine had to offer. So, um, but I, I was not bringing work home. And now that we are kind of in a way forced to, because I do have to work from home sometimes, um, I've had to find structure for that. And that telling myself all those years ago, not to let that, you know, encroach on my life has really made a huge difference. Um, and I've had to talk to my patients about that because now that we're in this pandemic, people are not only working from home, they're, um, teaching at home. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was, really intrigued by the effect of that because I thought being at home would make things easier because when I'm at home, I have all these things I want to do, but it really has made things harder for them. Um, And having that structure in my life has helped me to coach them on their time and just saying, okay, you don't have to be perfect, but you need to find time to do things for you. So teaching them, telling them to get up and get dressed is Mm -hmm. like the main thing, like that's the main thing to do. So that structure is so important. And when I tell them, like you see their eyes light up because they just hadn't thought about it. They're just in it. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. So I'm like, this is the simplest advice ever, but people need to hear that. And and hearing it come from their physician, I think is even more powerful because, you know, yeah, I can give you a sleeping pill or a pill to stay awake or whatever. But when I tell them, just get up, if you're an early bird, you know, if you're not, your time might be in the afternoon, but just get mm-hmm. up and take that time in the morning, especially now that you don't mm-hmm. have to drive to school and to work. 
and use, <clears throat> use that time to do things you like. You know, you might want to read, you might want to listen to music, you might want to work out, you might want to, you know, whatever that is, do it. I think structure is so important for that. Um, I call it bookending your day. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, having the morning time. And then even if you're not, if even if you're an early bird for me, having the evening time is important because that's my time with my son. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when work tries to bleed into that, um, if we have meetings or something, I let it, I keep it in a compartment. Mm-hmm. And I also have a six-year-old alarm known as my son that will come and tell me that I've been working been too, gone long. too long. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mommy, you said you weren't going to work mm-hmm. until, and it's 5.30 and you, and it's mm-hmm. like, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's, you know, and they notice that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and I think he can tell that my mood is different and I'm stressed mm-hmm. and he can see it. And so he has learned to help me pull away. So Mm -hmm. I encourage people to do that. I'm like, tell your kids to tell you, you know, to give you a time limit, they will do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, so So structure is huge. If you don't have structure, you have to organize your nutrition, you have to organize Mm -hmm. your day. And I think just like financial budgets, time budgets are so important and people get kind of cringe a little bit Mm -hmm. because nobody wants to be restricted, but it actually gives you freedom that you you didn't think you had. So Totally. I love that illustration, the visual of the bookends, right? Mm-hmm. So when you think about it on a bookcase, right? It allows them mm-hmm. to be kind of organized and contained and mm-hmm. and to have that on your day is such a beautiful mm-hmm. illustration. And the kid alarm clock totally. Thank you. Yes. My calls are usually <laughs> an hour long and my almost seven-year-old, same thing. She knows, like clockwork, uh-huh. right? She's like, uh-huh. okay, that was an hour. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Time to wrap it up in there. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much. And a thing I like to to look over the course of your story is those previews. Mm -hmm. That's such a beautiful way you said that. And your Mm four-year-old self knew Mm -hmm. what was coming, right? And your resident self knew you're going to need to do this a little differently. And you had that sense of holding up those boundaries. And so being able to pan out and see like, of course, of course, this is how it is and what I'm doing now. (laughs) It's been leading that way. Uh Do you have those moments where you think, it's exactly you know, how I was meant to be doing this. And, and here mm-hmm. I am. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's where I think um, my love for the human body and for medicine um, was, was founded. It was, you, you know, my, I had to embrace it. Um, I had to love it to be able to do what I'm doing now because I had to really, I mean, I'm 14 years out of residency and, you know, stepping into this, this is if you would have told me this then, I'm like, I'm not, yeah, I won't be doing that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I see it now. I see that all of those steps, all of those things, even the, the negative things were all meant to get me to this moment. Um, and it's the importance of having purpose. And for a few years after I was out of residency, I was aimless um, because of that, because I didn't have a sense of purpose. I had gotten there. Now I'm in medicine and I'm like, hmm. So this is, this is it, you know, <laughs> like I'm working, I have patients, I'm, you know, making more money and it just was not fulfilling for, to me. And, um, I just really had to, to look back on that, um, recently and just really be thankful that I have found my path. And I think, you know, one of those negative things was not being able to heal my body in the way I thought I should be able to. And I, I think that was purposeful so that I can be an example as well as an educator in that that sense. And so I'm really I, I really get encouraged thinking about how 
all those things led up to to this and they are all like you said I like how you said previews because I really have gotten previews to this the the whole time I mean there's stuff I was talked about I talked to my podcast recently about there's supplements that my grandmother took that I noticed <laughs> but I was like oh she's just you know whatever she grew up in the depression they eat moldy bread you know <laughs> but they were very important things that you notice but you don't know why and now I realize why I noticed because it completes that circle for you yeah and I appreciate that you're able to integrate it into that traditional medical space you know even mm-hmm. in employment where physicians might think I have to have some certain type of practice to be able to do this, but to be able to bring it in where you are is so powerful for patients. Mm -hmm. Well, as we wrap up here and we've heard it throughout, but I'd like to hear your take on how you see yourself for the health of all things. (laughs) Um, How I see myself. I see myself as a, um, I've been transformed um, in so many ways um, in all of those um, wellness pillars that I mentioned earlier, every single area I've been transformed and I'm still a work in progress. But what I love about it is that um, people see me and they see um, health and they see people, especially people that have known me from before um, people, patients that see me will come in and say, wow, what are you doing? You know, because even though I, you know, am still the same person Um, There's a lot about me that has changed physically and mentally. So when they see that and they they see a whole different person in front of them, you know, from their standpoint, um, it it gets their attention. And I think that's what it's meant to be is that I'm supposed to be that um, that light towards a better life, towards wellness that um, that they see. And I and I appreciate that I've been able to um, to get there and still be working on it, um, but be an example I love that. And work in progress can sometimes seem like, oh, am I ever going to get there? But I love how you illustrated Mm -hmm. that it means you have so much potential, right? So you're Mm -hmm. not limited. It can be ongoing in the best way that there's so much more, you know, to Mm -hmm. be able to explore and expand and grow. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. So please tell our listeners where they can find you about your podcast and any kind of final words of wisdom. Okay. Um, So Pivot and Bloom is a podcast I created this year. Um, it was, um, it was in, in the works for years. I have been saying I wanted to do a podcast for years. Again, another preview where I am introverted, (laughs) very introverted. (laughs) And, um, I have found my voice in doing podcasting. Um, I absolutely love it and I'm being able to use it as a, a educational tool, um, for the public. Um, so what I, what I talk about on Pivot and Bloom is just different nutritional topics, um, but also a lot of mindset. Um, my tagline is change, flourish, repeat. And so it's about mm-hmm. the cycle of change and transformation um, because you have to change your mind and then you flourish in that and then you continue to work on it. And so that's, that's kind of how I wanted that to be where you're always, like I said, a work in progress. And so mm-hmm. it's not a completion thing. It's a, it's a journey. Um, so Um, That's where that comes from. But I talk a lot about nutritional topics um, and I am stepping into um, what I call my interview season. Hence, I'm doing (laughs) interviews now and interviewing others. And so um, I'd love to have you on at some point. Um, And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to do that. And what I have discovered is that your purpose always changes. And so 
I'm still big on nutrition, health literacy, um, health education, advocacy, all of that. But as a Black uh, American, I have been um, struck by the um, absolutely insane things going on. Mm-hmm. And I have taken to add a pillar of wellness for myself, which is intellectual wellness. And in, the, and in that, I include enrichment, education, and enlightenment. And so I've been reading a lot about um, the migration of Black Americans to the North. Um, I'm currently reading the book Cass um, by Isabel Wilkerson about um, racial relations and how we are where we are now um, in America. And so in that, I feel that part of my mission is to educate the public, but definitely the Black American public on their health and the healthcare disparities that we face. And so my other passion is health equity. So what I'm doing in this next, I I don't call it a season because I'm kind of continuously doing the podcast, Mm -hmm. um, is talking more about that and really educating people on how that affects them and how that affects all of us and what the, what the details of those things are and how we can fix them, how we can you know control them individually to a certain extent, some things we can't change um, in our own strength. But that's the power of community. So no, having more people know, having so many people that are suffering from these diseases and don't realize that they don't have to is, is my most important point. So Pivot and Bloom will be a lot more of that um, coming up. Um, it can be found on any of the podcasting sites. So the major ones, Apple, Google, Spotify, Alexa can now play the podcast, which is really fun. (laughs) Um, so, um, it's funny story about that. When we found out about it, I was trying to record it, us asking Alexa to, um, play my Mm -hmm. podcast. And I mean, 15 minutes and she just wouldn't do it. And then when I wasn't recording, she <laughs> turned it on. So, you know, technology. I love it. Yeah. But yeah, so all of those, it's on Buzzsprout. It's housed on Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so you can find it there. I am on Instagram as Dr. Mila Marie. And that's my my personal page. But then um, I am, uh, the podcast is on podcast at Pivot and Bloom Podcast. And the and is spelled out um, on Facebook, it's Pivot and Bloom. It's a, the ampersand. But if you put Pivot and Bloom in, it'll pop up mm-hmm. um, online or on the you know search engines. Um, I am on Twitter, but I'm still learning Twitter. So yeah, <laughs> we're working on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's where you can find it. Um, um, Pivot and Bloom also has its own email, pivotandbloom at gmail.com. So mm-hmm. that's somewhere people can reach me if they have questions or things. And that's pretty much... Um, all of it. I try to post as much as I can and put some, the episodes are there and, you know, find, you can find them. They come out every Tuesday. Um, you know, usually I have an ad for the episodes there and then you can find them on your podcasting site, but they come out every Tuesday morning and um, I hope people can listen in and enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you. I'm grateful to learn about your kind of emerging into that um, arm of equity on the podcast because your syndemic episodes were so powerful and I envision building from there. So such important work. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. This has been great. And I look forward to many future conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. This is great. I hope you enjoyed this episode of this osteopathic life conversations for the health of all things. 
please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone who you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.